Welcome back to the How Should I Bro podcast, part two of our episode on aging. And as we left episode one, Sam began talking about how time uh, or the perception of time seems to change as you age. So we're going to roll it back a little bit, uh, a few minutes from the last episode to get you caught back up, refresh your memory, all that kind of good stuff. And then... Like I said, uh, when I signed off last episode, it gets really real, really fast, and I think you're really going to enjoy the rest of the episode. So, without any further ado, here's part two. I actually, and this was when I was in my twenties. I remember I worked at a, uh, I worked at a, a GNC supplement company, and I would have a lot of interesting characters that would come in as customers. And this guy came in who was like in his sixties, and um, I had told him that I, I said, you know, I, or I think maybe he mentioned to me something about time going by and whatever. And I said, you know, I have noticed that, you know, it does seem like mm-hmm. time goes by a little faster. And the way he explained it to me was. He said, think about like a film strip, you know, and you've got so many different like frames per second that play. And he said, as you get older, your brain starts to eliminate some of those frames. And as you get older, there's more and more frames that come out. So instead of it being, you know, this many frames per second when you're younger and things seem longer, as you're getting older, you're taking less and less frames out. So shit seems like it's happening a lot faster. Can I sound like a total asshole? (laughs) Go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, I don't think that anything neurological co- happens to your brain. I think it's all about routine. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, I remember when I moved from Seattle to St. Louis. Yeah. The first month that I drove to work, dude, that drive felt like it took forever. Yeah. And I noticed every billboard right. and every building and mm. every street name and everything and I remember it vividly like I'd see a billboard and I would have thoughts right. about that product like oh wow is that a local beer you know blah 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 now when I go down the highway I don't notice anything right because my brain is deleting the things that right. are the same yeah. that are routine yeah. and things like that and unfortunately, and this is what I talk about, the part about being an asshole, like, that happens to people, mm-hmm. too. Oh, yeah. Like, if I come home and I already know that the conversation is going to go like this, hi, honey, oh. hi, how was your day? <sighs> tough. Mm-hmm. What was tough about it? The kids. Oh, were they giving you trouble? Yeah, they just won't listen. How was your day? It, it, it was work. Yeah. You know? Well, what about your day? You know, I really don't want to talk about it because right. it'll just put me right back in that work zone. Okay. Well, when the kids go to bed, what do you want to do? I don't know. Watch TV. Mm-hmm. What do you want to watch? Dude, if that happens all the time, your brain's going to delete it. Right. If that happens every night or at least every weeknight. Yeah. The week is gone. And if the week is gone, then time's going to go by sure, faster. Sure. Now, if I came in on Monday and I had no job and I go, what's happening today? Today we're skydiving. Holy crap, I've never All done right, that. Right. Monday was amazing. Coming on Tuesday, what are we doing today? Oh, dude, we're making crepe Suzette. I've never made crepe Suzette. I don't yeah. even know how to begin that. Guess what? You're going to learn. If my week was jam-packed like that, that week would take forever. Mm-hmm. And so that's just my theory. Anyway. No, I, I like that because this the next thing I was going to go to isn't so much about like the, the time, but like you said, I think cumulative experience and stimuli can get to where you become numb to things. Like That's another thing I've noticed big time as I've gotten older is like just not giving a shit. Like, there's things when I was younger that if someone would have brought up to me or said, I would have been like, what the fuck, and losing my temper. And it's like, I've experienced these things, though, so many times that now I go, I I don't care. Like, when I talk to people, I'm like, get to the fucking point. Like, I hate a shit ton of backstory now. And that 
my significant other at home. Sometimes she feels like she has to justify a decision by giving you a fucking two-hour backstory to something. And I'm like, I don't just get to the fucking point. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear the backstory. I don't care. I get I it. Hear the decision. Yeah, point, just get to the know. decision. What do get, I have to do? Get to the fucking yes or no, or what you want me to do, or what you want to do. And that's not me being rude. It's not me not caring. But it's like. I get it. I've heard the backstory a billion times. Maybe not from her. Maybe it's through multiple people at work or over the years, but it's like, I don't need to. I get the bullshit that comes along with it. Just get to whatever the point is. And it gets to where you almost feel like you're very apathetic about a lot of things. And it's not that it's apathy. It's just, you go, whatever. I've heard it so many fucking, just get to what the point is. Get to what the meat and the potatoes of this whole deal is and, and just there. You know, and it, it, you tend to become somebody that just doesn't give a shit about most things. Well, when you're younger, you you haven't experienced as many of these. So it's like someone could come to you with a problem or maybe you get in trouble and you're you're freaking out like, oh, my God, this is it. It's the end of the world. But once you've experienced that enough times and you realize it's not the end of the world or you realize that these certain things don't have as many consequences to them as you think they do or they're not as heavy as you thought they were. Then you start to just not give a shit whenever you get older. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm the only one that experiences that, but... No, I've actually got a lot to talk about that. I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I would like to say that if you're if you're younger than us and you're still listening to this episode, tune the fuck in because I think we're about to get deep. And I would like it if we do because I think there's too many parents that are an entire generation removed that are influencing the lives of teenagers and 20 somethings. And there are not enough of only 10 year removed people that are influencing that generation, you know? Um, so if you are listening to my jaw popping and Sam's concussion and Tim's beard growing too fast, (laughs) And you're like, dude, none of this applies to me. This part, I think that we're about to get into, applies to you. Just a thought. I mean, if we're talking about life and growing older and expectations. Yeah, for sure. Um, Sam, I sent you something on Facebook recently. It was a poem. Do you remember that? You'll have to repeat it. Right. You sent me a lot yeah. of things. Well, it was the Walt Whitman poem, Oh Me, Oh Life. Uh-huh. And we... So I'm not trying to get off on a tangent. I think mm-hmm. this actually applies to what you just said. But you and I, when we were younger, remember we got hooked on Dead Poets Society. Yeah. And that was like, I don't know, that was one of my favorite movies yes. when I was a teenager. Yes. And I know you really liked it. We used mm-hmm. to quote it to Carpe each other. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, seize the day, boys. Um, and it was interesting because that movie, when I was a young person, was full of hope. Right. And one of the things that I think you get when you age is a sense of lamentation. Sure. You know, like... Shit! What did I do with my 20s? Yeah. What did I do with my late teens? Mm. And it's a weird mix at our age because you still have hope, but you also have regret. And I think if you mix equal parts regret and hope, you get Mm. lamentation. Sure. You know, Um, there was a song I used to listen to when I was a teenager when my family was dysfunctional and divorced and all that shit. It was called Pleasant Valley Sunday. Have you guys ever played that? No. It doesn't ring a bell. Maybe in this episode you can put the riff behind this or whatever. Okay. But uh, it's a monkey's song. <laughs> and it says, Another Pleasant Valley Sunday, Sunday. Charcoal burning everywhere. And it's basically like a a song that's describing the suburbs, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, see Mr. Green, he's so serene, he has a TV in every room, see Mrs. Gray, she's proud today, she has her roses all in bloom, you know, and it's describing those characters you would see just driving down a subdivision. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, I was like, in my dysfunctional family, that's what I want. Yeah. That is a goal, you know, to have a nice family, two cars in the driveway, 
two-story house, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward, I'm 33. That song is a lamentation from a fucking prison. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so if you're 19 or 20 and you're listening to this podcast, just clue in on that sentence I just fucking said. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to get into. Is that the subject you want to kind of dissect here a little oh, bit yeah. on aging? Yeah, for sure. I know in a in a previous podcast we talked about people not losing, you know, sight of goals as they accomplish them and and you know journey through life. But that's beyond just goals. Is not becoming jaded to experiences you haven't had yet. Yeah. You know, like... Uh, well, and there's always the, the grass is greener on the other side, right. there, too. Because, I mean, imagine the the pie-faced kid looking out the window. Right. See Mr. Green, mm-hmm. he's so serene. And you're looking at your neighbor, and he's got right. the latest technology and blah, blah, blah. And then you're 33, and you're like, see Mr. Green, he's a fucking asshole. All <laughs> he does is spend his money on TV. Yeah. Blah, well, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Well, not only that, but whenever you're in your your fucking teens and twenties, some of the people that you maybe if you have a role model that is an adult, and I didn't think, have one. And you, but a I lot of people do. You, but a lot of people do. Yeah. But uh, what you see on the surface isn't necessarily what's below. Right. That's you know, point. like I I had parents growing up who did very well with a they had a business for a while, and they had maybe two or three years where they did awesome. The thing is, they decided not to pay their taxes or a lot of their bills. So for about three years, everybody that I went to school with thought my parents were rich. Patriots. Oh, yeah. They were like, oh, my God, you you come from rich parents. They buy new cars and this, and they get you guys stuff all the time. But they didn't know that it was because my parents had a few good years and, and neglected to, yeah. to pay what they were supposed to. So for a few years, they were living off of this very large you know, sum of profit. And then when they got in trouble for it and everything went south, that's the part that people didn't see. So it's easy to look at others and think, oh, man, I want to get to that point. I want to get to where that person is. But you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes there, especially if it comes to something financially. You don't know what they've fucking mortgaged or done credit-wise to get what you see and the stress that they're fucking under behind the scenes. I'm like, how am I going to keep this up? There's an old... uh I think it was like a bank commercial or a freaking refinancer commercial or something. And I'll never forget it because it's this guy that he's got this huge apple pie smile, you know, and he's like, his kids are running through the sprinkler and he's freaking mowing the lawn and he's like, look at my awesome house. He's like, I've got an in-ground pool. I've got this. I've got that. And he goes, how can I afford all this? I'm mortgaged up yep. to my eyeballs. Do you guys remember that <laughs> yes. that yeah, commercial? Yeah. And that I never forget that. So, yeah, you might look at keeping up with the Joneses mm-hmm. and they're freaking that. But I don't think that's the point I was trying to make. Mm-hmm. The point I was trying to make is, like, youth is wasted on the young. Oh, completely. You know, you think that... A, you've got all the time in the world, mm. and B, you've got shit figured out, yeah. and you've got neither one of those things. Right. Um, so if I, I can wax intellectual for mm. a moment, why I brought up Dead Poets Society was I want to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been ongoing for decades. <laughs> all right. So in the movie Dead Poets Society... Uh, What's his name? Fucking Keating. The actor, Robin Williams. Okay. Um, he quotes... Who killed himself. <laughs> yeah, who figured the way out. <laughs> um, quotes a poem by Walt Whitman called O Mio Life. Right. If you actually... We won't play it here, or maybe we can play it here audio-wise, yeah, Tim. Probably. And if he did, it would be now. Um, he only quotes part of the poem. And he puts, O me, O life, of the questions of these recurring. recurring, Of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish. What good amid these, O me, O life? And then he skips most of the poem, right? And then he pretty much goes to the end, which is answer. Answer. 
that you, you are here. That life exists and identity. That the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. You may contribute a verse. Holy fuck, when we were kids, we bought into that. Carpe diem, right? Mm. What we do matters. That's good when you're 20. When you're 33, do you get the same juice from the what I do matters? Because maybe you do, but I don't. Mm -hmm. Right? So, go ahead. Well, that's why it's good that you told all these young people to listen up because I do have a different approach on that than you do. Okay, go ahead. Like I completely feel like what I do matters. If I didn't, then I probably wouldn't be as successful in my business as I am. I wouldn't be here doing this podcast. I wouldn't be out wrestling. I well, wouldn't I be think, out still living. Like I, I think still you think have a unique job too, where you actually help people, and that. And when I used to teach, I felt the same way. No, because there's a lot of times that I'll get down on myself and I'll say, you know what, I'm just a fucking paid clown. The only reason these people are with me is because I fucking entertain them and make them laugh and they get to have a social experience with me for an hour. They could care two fucking shits about me actually helping them physically. Most of them right. are already fine where they're at. But then I still have to remind myself that I'm giving them that. Yeah. Even if I'm fucking entertaining them for an hour, they like being around me for a fucking hour. There's something that I'm doing right with that. But I think that's a different approach on life. So if the, the, the teens or the 20-somethings are listening to this, this is a good thing for them to hear. Yeah, I is agree. That you're going through this feeling of what you do doesn't matter. And I'm saying, no, it's the opposite. It does. It's just... The domestic side of where we're at is what can complicate things and exactly. make us feel like what we're doing doesn't and, matter. And that's what I'm getting at. Um, and I think the benefit that both of us have is we're, we have pretty good self-esteem. Mm. I think actually we have superior self-esteem to mm -hmm. probably most of America. And I don't say that to be egotistical, mm -hmm. but would you agree or do no. you have thoughts on that? I, I would totally disagree because I've always thought of myself as probably... The person with the lowest self-esteem, but the most amount of confidence. I that's think hilarious. I think very low of myself. I'll tell you exactly why that's hilarious, too. It's because I used to have major self-esteem issues mm -hmm. because, I mean, I was picked on growing up, like, forever. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was hanging out with you mm. and you boosted my mm. esteem because you were, I guess, well, maybe I'm con I am confusing esteem with confidence, but you had a positive influence I think on you've me got huge self-esteem. Yeah. So, so I like, I'm... I I'm a completely... That was from all those and times... you're very humble. That was from all those times <laughs> I was like, I was like, man... Damn, dude, I can barely fit it in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should have popped your jaw. <laughs> yeah, you sleep on your stomach, you wouldn't have that problem. But no, it's. I think you were very. Like, my friendship with you has infected me. Uh, infected me. Inf affected infected me. Infected you. It's oh, infected in every you. way. Uh, no, affected me in a positive manner. And I think uh, a lot of the reason I'm. Probably have my head on as straight as I do is because of that influence. Well, think of your average. Mm -hmm. Your quote-unquote average person, right? That, well, think of some people that maybe you've trained in the past that have given up, mm -hmm. you know? No, no, I'm not doubting my ability to help people see something in themselves. It's like with Tim, and that's, I'm fucking super happy about that. What I think of myself as a person, oh, I, I hate myself. I think I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> okay, like, I, and that's I, I think good, I'm horrible. Though. But I have confidence out the ass. And that's something that I've always thought was weird but unique about me is that if there's something there, I go, you know what? I can fucking do that. Yeah, I think we're I arguing. I have to talk myself through it because, and you've gone through this with me. Oh, the comic books? I'm a fucking horrible artist. Right, I'm probably right, the right. worst one out there, but I guarantee you I can make a fucking book that people are going to buy. As a trainer, I suck. I'm a paid clown, but I can fucking get results, and I guarantee I'll have more clients than anybody around me. As a wrestler, technically, I'm fucking horrible. I can't wrestle like those guys on TV, but I guarantee I'll bring a personality or... There's confidence out the ass, I think very low of myself. So to me, self-esteem and confidence are two very different things. Okay, so here's the thing. How about you're self-critical 
and the most of the masses are oblivious. That's yeah, that's much better. Okay, so the average person is like, I'm fucking cool. Yes. I'm I'm awesome. Look, mm-hmm. I'm fat as fuck. Mm-hmm. I got a cleft palate, mm-hmm. but if I put these sterling silver earrings in, I'm hot to try. <laughs> Let's fucking go. And and we would look at them and be like, you need to lose 57 pounds. You need to get surgery. Yeah. And then the earrings will make you pop, you know. So that's the difference I'm trying to get at, right, right? Right. So what I was trying to say is the the middle part of that poem that's left out in the in the movie mm. has a lot to do with aging in my opinion, mm. right? Because like I described with the song where it moved from inspiration to lamentation, mm. right? I think it's actually pretty fucking cool that the older you get, if you're 19 years old, how much empathy do you have? Right. Do you have empathy with anyone on the planet when you're 19? Because you haven't experienced enough yet. Right. But when I am 33, and if I hear some 21-year-old guy reading Goodnight Moon to his freaking one-year-old daughter, I'll melt. Because mm-hmm. I have empathy with him. Yeah. Because I have walked a mile in right. that dude's moccasins. Sure. And that's the cool part about mm-hmm. aging, right? But the flip side of that coin is I feel my cynicism growing. Mm-hmm. So what I mentioned about how they edited it in the movie to where it's all hope-based. Yeah. Do you feel yourself getting more cynical the older you get? Because I feel a little bit no, of hardcore. No, and I, I think that's growing. an approach to life. You know, uh, I've said before on here why I why I like to keep up with what the young people are saying and what they're doing is I think that's where innovation comes from or young minds because they yeah. they don't have that experience that's preventing them from doing things. Experience, Paul Heyman. Who, if you come from the wrestling world, is greatest fucking wrestling mind of all time. But he's also an incredible thinker, and he's a genius at marketing. But he made a statement one time, and I thought that was fucking brilliant. He was talking about how he always connects to young people. He's one of the guys that doesn't believe in letting fucking 60-year-olds run the show. He goes, it's always about the young people. And one of the statements he made was that experience is the biggest inhibitor of creativity. That's, that's a, good that's a point, yeah. damn good saying because somebody that's experienced something keeps thinking about well this is what you can't do think about sailors do. sailors in 1491 yeah all yeah. the experienced yes. sailors were like this yes. is how you get to the places if, in the if world. you don't come with that fucking backlog of years of experience telling you well that won't work so don't do it you're willing to try more things so young minds tend to be the ones that bring out the innovation um so whenever I look at young people, I don't look at it like, well, my generation didn't. When I hear words like yeah, bay and geeky and on fleek and shit like that, I don't go fucking kids and the stupid shit they say. That's, it gets dumb. No, I'm like, well, dude, we said dumb shit when we were younger. I get it. It's part of a young mindset. How can I use this yeah. to help communicate to somebody at that age a little better? How can I use that to like get on their level? I don't look at... I don't look at young people or the world that's coming after me as anything to be not jealous of yeah, or envious of. I don't know. I mean, I try to look at a. There's a positivity to that that comes with it, where I think you get more cynical by letting experience build up, and you look at everything that's coming and go, "That's wrong. That ain't going to happen. This is going to happen because of that, and that's going to be horrible." Well, you can't look I, at think, it like that way. I think you're a perfect foil to me mm-hmm. in this conversation mm-hmm. because I am kind of cynical yeah. when it comes to yeah. aging. And I love my family. I love the decisions I've made. But there's mm-hmm. this other part of me, and I think we've talked about it before, mm-hmm. where it's like, what the fuck yeah. am I doing? And so what I was going to say about the other lines mm-hmm. in the poem and I didn't mean to get it to where it's like I'm bashing on yeah. people, but yeah. I think we've always felt like there's a gray mass around us mm-hmm. and there's a few bright lights and we try to connect to them, you know, and mm-hmm. do cool things. But there's that gray mass. And I feel the less cool things that I do, yeah. the more gray mass sure. I am. Sure. Does that make sense? I think the hard thing is accepting that 
Well, I mean, it, I can't say accepting it because it 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 relies on people around you accepting this, and that's hard to do when you have a family or oh, when you're in a domestic hard, setting. And that's exactly is, what we're talking and about. And that's that's where I found myself in in situations, or well, I'll feel guilty. I'll I'll feel pre guilty about something. I'll fucking be like. Yeah, I call it my goodwill oh, again. All right, Lindsay worked fucking three days this week, and she's got to work this weekend, so I'm going to go again where I don't see her at all. And uh, when she gets off work, I'm going to see if she can watch the kids so I can go fucking talk on a podcast for three hours. Because when <laughs> I get home, to me they're all going to be asleep, and then she's going to feel bad about it because she's going to think I don't ever want to be home because I was just out on the road on a wrestling trip. So really, I've seen her for maybe three fucking hours in the last like week and a half. I told my wife today, I said, I can spend 45 minutes with the kids today. Yeah. That's my limit. Yeah. But, the, the thing <laughs> but is it like, wasn't because of this. Yeah. And that's what I guess I've come to realize. Yeah. And um and that's why I've been so pissed off and cynical lately mm-hmm. is because guess what most of my day consists of? Work. A fucking job. Yeah. yeah. You know, and your job, you're an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different. No, okay? I, I'm agreeing with you. You're right. My, yeah. I have a much better situation. But it's my fucking job. And yeah. that's where I wanted to get into the middle part that Dead Poet Society mm-hmm. skips. So let me just read this for a second, okay? It says, uh, of myself forever reproaching myself, meaning taking myself to task, because... For who more foolish than I, and who more faithless, of eyes that vainly crave the light of the object's mean, of the struggle the struggle mm. ever renewed. That means every day you wake up, it's the exact same damn thing. Of the poor results of all, of the plotting and sordid crowds I see around me. I think of going to Walmart, right? Mm. The plotting and sordid crowds I see around me. Blah, blah, blah. I made this many screws this week so I can buy this many bags of Doritos. But I'm not any different than them. I went in and I'm like, blah, blah, blah. I put this many, you know, servers online and now I can buy this many protein shakes. I'm the same fucking thing. So, and he addresses that in the poem. Of the poor results of all, the plotting and sordid crowds I see around me. Of the empty and useless years of the rest, with the rest, me intertwined. Mm. I'm a part of it. That's my own words. The question, oh me, so sad, recurring, what good am amid these, oh me, oh life? Mm. They skip that fucking part yeah. where you're a part of this gray mm. mass. They skip that in the Dead Poet Society and they go right to the the hopeful that you are here that life exists that you mm-hmm. may contribute a verse but what's the verse you're contributing and that's why i wanted to get into it like the verse that you're contributing mm-hmm. sam you're changing people's lives mm-hmm. all right the verse i'm contributing who the fuck knows tim what mm-hmm. verse do you contribute that's, at your job oh that's the exact i mean i'm pretty much not quite as cynical as you but i'm in pretty much the same area i mean we have tech jobs and we work for other people so at the end of the day what we contribute is somebody else's bottom line but yeah. not necessarily anything of value some old to- jew in new york no. so- <laughs> just, <laughs> just that. kidding uh, but yeah that's that's the and it's why i wanted to start doing the podcast and doing content mm-hmm. and stuff like that because i want to contribute something of worth right. and of that's why own, the podcast own, not gets me juiced but guess what when I'm at work, I can't work six and a half hours and go, hey, boss, you got to yeah, do right. a podcast. Right. Instead, <laughs> I work eight hours and then I go, hey, wife, yeah. I got to do a uh-huh. podcast. So I guess I'm just trying to be a fucking negative right. Nelly so that the younger people that listen to this can be like, shit, before I get into that trap, before I get intertwined with the sordid masses... Mm. Maybe I can do something. And right. and we talked about this the other night about me maybe supporting my kids 
four years on a dream yes. instead of yeah. four years in college. And that's know? a great idea. Well, well, that that's for another podcast because I think that'd be an, a very interesting topic. Actually. Yeah, but I think this but, applies to age. Well, and, and let me uh, let me interject because this is part of what I do at my job. Um, maybe this is the the Buddhist side of me talking, but. This is what happens when you really apply too much negative and positive value to everything that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I try not to to look at like like you said the Walmart thing. Like it's funny. Yeah, we sit around and we joke. We go, oh, the Walmart shopper and that one thing and that cashier and ha ha. And it's funny, but it's like I don't ever really take that stuff that serious because I don't apply that many extreme positives and negative values to my life. Like Whoa. to me, it's kind of like. I'm just living. I, I, apply I don't mean to, that in a bad way. I'm saying there's a lot of I, like I can find the positives of what I do in life, but I don't look at it and go, "Well, this this person in Walmart who is blah blah blah, they make screws, and so they're going to buy donuts, and that's a negative thing." And then you say, "Well, when I do the same thing, just it's for different objects, that makes me negative too." I just take the negative part out. I go, "I'm here and I exist." Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like. What I do during this existence is basically whatever it takes to make me happy. I don't try to apply too many negatives, though, to... Again, it's funny to make fun of people on the surface, but really I don't look at anything they're doing as negative. That's why, I don't, that's why I don't look at what I'm doing and go, well, I'm really doing the same thing as, as the jocks that I've talked about before. What? Who cares, man? For He's me, gotta, it makes me sad, man. It makes me sad that... The part if, that makes me sad, like what you're talking about, you're getting in more of the domestic issue is... Yeah, exactly what I'm and, getting into. And believe me, as, as fun as my job is, and I talk about how I have it made, at the end of the day, it's still a fucking 8 to 15 hour block during my day where I'm not doing what I really want to do. At the yeah, end of the exactly. day, when I was a fucking kid, I didn't go, you know what, I want to grow up and fucking train people and do this. I do it because it is the most money that I can make for the the qualifications and the education that I have, I I like that I help people. I like that I'm fucking paid well to be a clown. Yeah, I but like if I could change it, well too. if yeah. I could just fucking snap my fingers and do whatever I want, I'd be doing creative stuff all day and art and this and wrestling. And so he, there wouldn't be that big block in the middle of it. But at the same time, I can't hate on it because it is there. No. So here's my point. Like I'm not gonna. If I really hated my job, I would have mm-hmm. walked in yesterday and told my boss to go shove his head up right. his fucking ass. You right. know, I don't really hate my job. I dislike the fact that I have to be engaged mm-hmm. in this activity at right. all. Right, right. And, but that's part of aging. And here's where I'll put my little connect the dots mm-hmm. thing where I fucked up. I worked a minimum wage job and I lived in my own apartment. So put two and two together. I had zero fucking money, mm-hmm. right? At the same time, we were doing our wrestling shows, Mm -hmm. which we were filming video clips, we were writing scripts, we were coming up Mm -hmm. with characters, and it was fucking We did a fucking comic book. Yeah, (laughs) we did a comic book. It was fucking great. I was getting fucking Bosnian pussy. It was awesome. And so... Actually, Croatian. Technically. I, mean, I see the eyes you're making me, and Croatian is tighter than Bosnian. So no, they were Bosnian. <laughs> no, they're Croatian they were as fuck, dude. They're no, they were Croatian. Go fuck yourself. They're Bosnian. Fucking. Uh, <laughs> we'll have Freddie back on the show. He can explain this thing. All right. So anyway, it was tight. <laughs> well, she was 15. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Correction. And I was with the the sister. Correction. So. Eleven. Anyway, <laughs> um, 11 is heaven, you, you know what they say. Funny. So anyway, it was the time of our fucking lives, except mm. I had no future. Yeah. Okay. So what I thought of at the time was, shit, I need to get my college degree so I can get an income that can sustain a family. Because Pleasant Valley Sunday, I wanted a fucking family. Which is, there's nothing wrong with it. Mm -hmm. All right? It's a perfectly rational thing to want in your life. Mm -hmm. So my choice was to join the Navy. Mm -hmm. I could, A, have a job that in the the end of the day, I wasn't working for some Jew in New York, as Tim said. (laughs) 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 And B, I was gaining money for college, right? 
So I spent eight years in the military. I got my college degree. I got out. I got a good job. Mm-hmm. All right. Over the course of that time, I also got a family and two kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the dream of I will get a good job and then I will find a woman that actually all happened at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm like, shit, I've got a good job, but I spend 45 minutes driving there. I spend eight hours there. I spend 45 minutes driving back. I spend probably another hour on the phone outside of work, related to work. And then I spend three or four hours with my kids. Add that up. Do you think I do anything to contribute a verse? Right. On a normal day. And so now I'm like, where the fuck did I what position did I yeah. put myself in? I think some of that falls in line with what I do, which is feeling guilty for wanting to contribute that verse because you're worried about what the people around you are going to respond yeah. with. It's yeah. like I'm supposed sucks. to be editing the comic book, and yeah. I haven't, right. and you should be on my ass. And the only reason I haven't is because every time I walk yeah. through the door, I feel guilty exactly. as fuck. Exactly. So I feel guilty right now. So, brought to you by here's Bush. the thing all right, <laughs> all right younger listeners so today whenever uh when tim messaged me and asked if we wanted to come over and podcast tonight normally we do this on uh, every other sundays when i don't have my daughter so this weekend i have her we're doing it on friday night which sucks because i haven't seen her for the last two weeks because i was out on a wrestling trip last week so my daughter i have uh i've seen her for a few hours today but i say you know what it's worth i guess it's worth the sacrifice to come do the podcast and then i'll go back and see her but um so tim messaged me and asked if i wanted to come out tonight and do the podcast instead of our normal weekend because we got a few behind and we we got to get some episodes out so my first thought was Okay, but I've got to text my significant other at home who's been working all day, and I've also seen her barely any. And I send this text message in the form of a question. I said, tonight around 8.30, we need to do a couple podcast episodes. Do you care if I go? Now, when I typed this message, I knew damn good and well, (laughs) no matter what the answer was going to be, I was going to be here doing the podcast, but I framed it as a question so that it would seem more like I'm giving her that I'm like, well, I care if you want me to go or not. But the truth is, even if she would have said, hell no, I don't want you to go, I would have found a way to talk myself into it. But I framed it that way so that I wouldn't feel as bad about ultimately coming over here. And that's something that I've I've been noticing more and more that I go through or I talk to myself in my head about is I want to go do this. I want to contribute my verse, whether that's having a wrestling match, doing a podcast, doing a comic book. I have a lot to contribute creatively that's still left inside of me. And I'm going to bring it out, but I feel fucking guilty doing it because I know that other person at home doesn't have something else going on. So I automatically assume when I say, look, I'm going to take time away from you to go do this, that they're going to take it in a negative way. Where I'm lucky is that that person that I have at home is somebody that has known since day one that she met me that I'm like this. Do you know what I worry about, though? What's that? Because my wife's the same way. She's very cool. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I worry about it being like a punching bag Yeah, that you hit so many times. And you're like, dude, this punching bag rules. You know, like, in fact, every time I punch it, it gets softer. (laughs) And then... The bottom blows up. But that's you. You're getting. You're attaching negative and positive. Yeah, values and to I'm the cynic. Like, you're <laughs> not. By you being here, you're not punching. Can we say your wife's name in there? Yeah, I don't give a you're shit. You're not punching, kind of like a punching bag. No, like, but I'm making her be a babysitter. But she's a mother. She but wants she to has be. friends. She wants to be. Lindsay has told me this before. Is that what are you talking about? This is what I wanted when I said I wanted to become a mom and have the child with you. I want to be home with the kid. Can I say something that's not meant to be condescending at <laughs> yes. all? How old's your son? He is fifteen months. So I know you have Madeline, but mm-hmm. this is a different situation. Mm-hmm. I've been going through the shit for nine years. Mm-hmm. She's been going through the shit for nine mm-hmm. years. She's tired of it. Not so tired of it yeah. that she doesn't want to be with them, but 
she's craving nights mm-hmm. out more. Where to mm-hmm. Lindsay, it's new. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like oh my, my baby. Well, that's, you a, know? that's a good Whereas, thing though. If she's craving nights out, because then you guys get to trade off. You get to say, okay, well, I did my thing. She's not a punching bag. Because if that's the case, then when she goes out and you have to watch the kids, you're a punching bag. Right, but no. it, it, the the difference comes in when it's short term notification, mm-hmm. like tonight. Yeah, and that's where that goodwill account comes mm-hmm. in, where it's like, uh, fuck. All right, here we go. All right, yeah. all right. Hello, hi. Yeah, hi. How was your day? Okay, good. <laughs> I know. Oh, by the way, not coming home tonight. What? Yeah, you know that that kind of shit, and I think a lot of it I put self guilt on, and she's yeah. not the bad guy. Right. I put self guilt on. Right. What I'm trying to say is to the people that are listening to this, if they're younger than us, we're thirty something year olds. We are not forty something year olds right. or fifty something year olds. We're like ah, but they totally did their life different. No, we made a few key decisions. Mm-hmm in our 20s that affected us now i'm not saying i would change those decisions right. i'm saying i might need to change my mindset mm-hmm. to live with those decisions right or actually i would probably have had kids later mm-hmm. i mean that you know what's weird though is like if tim has a kid mm-hmm. when i am in my 40s i'm gonna be fucking living it up and Tim is going to be hating <laughs> I mean it's always been I've, my plan was always to have kids later right and it was because but you know what they say about old sperm it tastes good and <laughs> rice Chris, you can Chris, fit it between his jaw Chris Hardwick has a bit about it but it makes weird kids well, well <laughs> I was a weird kid so Old sperm, dude. See, this is where I, I, I don't know. I got to disagree a little bit. I sometimes will think, like, you know what? Even though my little Madeline, who is my fucking heartbeat, she's the reason that I live. I like to think sometimes, you know what? If she could have been born later, I would have made it through firefighting academy and done my paramedic school, and I could have done this. I'm but it's glad like you didn't do that. I'm glad I didn't either because I wouldn't have been the same parent to her. Like it sucks, and this is aging. There are things that whenever I was a single dad and I was 25, 26, and I was still like, yeah, a little bit crazy. It was cool because Maddie got to do some of that craziness with me. She got to she got to go out and we did a whole hell of a lot more things. And I was more likely to get on the ground and play daddy tiger, baby tiger and go around and do stuff where with Eli, it's like. I don't feel like getting on the ground. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know I'm like, trust me. Okay, yeah, you go over there and do that. And it's yeah. part of that is because he's there all the time and it's my second go round. But another part of it is I'm older. I'm not in my fucking mid 20s yeah, anymore. You're no got, horsey rides, dude. Yeah, like I can still do it. You know, I still put him on my shoulders and run around, but it's not nearly the same as what I had with her whenever I was younger. And just I was in a different place domestically it, can, i was it was more exciting life was more exciting at that I point can i tell you a really depressing story oh please do <laughs> it's a short story so i'm not going to die trev so what you just said when you were younger it was more exciting it was your new kid and you probably had less overhead at work yeah like you probably were a worker bee mm-hmm. that went to work and you weren't a a queen bee that had to run the operation. Oh no, my it, I was way more stressed out then. Oh, I made really? way less money. I was broke, fucking poor, working at St. Anthony's. No, and I'm saying your responsibility level at work. You could probably just come in, do your job, and leave. It. I, I would say it's the same if it okay. is as it is. All right. Well, it's the same. So what I'm trying to get at is. It was all new to you. I remember that feeling when my son was new and my new daughter and I was in the Navy and all I did was I came home and I was with the kids. I played with them. It was so exciting. And then the longer it went on, the yearning to contribute a yeah. verse came. Which, by the way, raising kids, you are contributing mm-hmm. a verse because you're contributing lives. Sure. Sure. So I don't want to short count that. I'm just trying to talk... This subject is about aging, and we're talking mm-hmm. about dealing with aging. Yeah. But 
so I would come home and I would do that, you know, and I'm like, oh, this is so great. And, but I spent so much time at work. You know, I spent a ton of time at work. And guess what? When I got out of the Navy, I thought that I would spend less time at work. I've spent more time at work. And before we did this episode, remember how I asked you to text me the topics? And you were like, sports and aging. And I said, perfect. You know why I said perfect? Because you're living it. (laughs) Because I was fucking sucking this dude's cock. And he was the punter for the Arizona Cardinals. And I'm like, dude, sports, perfect. Sports slash spurts. <laughs> no, it was because I just listened to Cats in the Cradle. Oh. <laughs> Dude, that song f- floors me uh-huh. every time. I want to just freaking break down crying. Yeah. And if you haven't listened to it, or if you're a kid and you don't understand it, and maybe you have a dad that works a lot mm. to provide for you. Dude, it's super, it is super fucked up this mm. trap that we live in where mm. we work a lot to give our kids yeah. everything we never had but what we don't give them is a fucking dad like it sounds weird but a hippie living out in a yurt in mm. New Mexico mm. we're like dude that dude's a fucking fag yeah. you know he's a fucking weirdo mm. When really he has a better life than yeah than I do, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm not saying than you do because you mm-hmm. have a nice you know uh, business that you run that where you help people. But for me, like I went in today and I listened to podcasts that are kind of third eye mm-hmm. opening, and I listened to this music, and when I heard that Cats in the Cradle song, mm-hmm. I looked at my coworkers. I wanted to fucking kill them. <laughs> And I don't say that as just I'm an angry person, but it was like, mm-hmm. you guys are so fucking stupid yeah. that you can't even key in on life. Mm-hmm. Like, you are complaining about a good job. Yeah. You are complaining about working in an air-conditioned building mm-hmm. where you have minimal stress on your body and basic mathematical functions in your brain and you're complaining about it Mm -hmm. and my job is to listen to you complain i would rather shoot you in the fucking head than listen to your fucking whining Mm -hmm. and i'm like but (laughs) that's what i do to support my kids (laughs) here we go okay that's what i do to give them a better life Mm -hmm. um I think I've reached the point where I'm just bitching about my life, so go ahead and take her home. Uh, I still think as, as much as you're making my job sound out to be like it's this great thing, and it really is, it's still, at the end of the day, we have jobs we go to that aren't our first priority. Me? We we go if we could have it perfect with a magic wand, we would rather be doing stuff like this all day. And it's yeah. it's, it's hard to look at it because you go fuck this. This is eight to fifteen hours of my day that I could have been fucking doing what I wanted that's to what I'm instead. Saying. I'm doing. I made a post on Facebook the other day and I felt that's, fucking stupid. Yeah, I mean that, that's for, what I tell Sarah all the time. It's like if I could be doing anything else, it would be right. to stay home, do well, stuff that's like what it this, is. as like, opposed you, to but you're fucking good at what you do. So even if you fucking yeah. hate it, you're still you're good at what you do. Yeah, but know that you're better than everybody else that's there but still yeah it's not that I hate what I do and it's not even that I hate who I do it for it's that I hate that what I'm doing doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. if it was if I was making web applications for something that North Korea yeah I mean if (laughs) if it legitimately helped the people of North Korea and it wasn't just about some bottom line so a company could be in the black or whatever then if 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 I if if there was something that I could be passionate about, that was more than money, like the military, be, hmm. I was passionate about that because at the end of the day, even though it's largely abstracted and blah blah blah, hmm. at the end of the day, my job was to fortress America, hmm. you know, and, and guess what? All my family and friends hmm. live in fucking America, hmm. so fortress America is a pretty good idea. But if I do a good job now, I might be lining the pockets of some Canadian financier, a person in London who's a financier, Mm. and some freaking mogul in India. 
I'm sorry, I can't get juiced about it. Yeah, yeah, I, you know. But I mean, your prime motivation is you're lining your pockets, though, and you're able to at least sustain the lifestyle you have. Yeah, and job. what I'm doing is I'm providing for my kids, yeah. so I've got A, mm-hmm. and then I've got spending time with my kids, which is B. Mm-hmm. But then I've got contributing my verse, which is mm-hmm. C. There's no time left for that. So mm-hmm. I've got to either shave off time from B, mm-hmm. which is cats in the cradle, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, oh, wait a minute, there's no or, because I can't shave off time from the first one, because mm-hmm. they'll just fire me. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the trap mm-hmm. that where, like, you the other day or the other week, it was like, can we go see this show this week? And you're like, all I have to do is cancel my clients and reschedule them. No, there's, and there's, if you did it all the time, it'd be yeah, a problem. Kind of, that'd be the same way. That that's the equivalent of calling in. If I, yeah. I can't do that all the time, though. Like, but at least you're your own boss. Mm-hmm. you know. But same thing. If you did it all the time, mm-hmm. if you followed your... If that became your passion to yeah, go to that, that show, that every definitely night. wasn't like a luxury of my job. That no, was no, essentially no. me calling in for a couple hours. It's just right. I don't have to feel as guilty about it because there's not a boss that I'm talking to. It's my clients that, after so many, are going to go. All right, well, you become unreliable, so uh, right. fuck you. I'm not going to. So actually, it's now. the same situation because if I called in every situation. Wednesday, I'd exactly. be fired. It's very mm-hmm. much the same situation. And as fun as my job is, and as rewarding as it feels, at the end of the day, it is still not my dream occupation. I do it because it is the most amount of money that I can make for the education and quality. There is nothing else that I could do that I could make as much money as I do right now because I'm not qualified to do jack shit. But I made a post on Facebook the other night, and I guess this is what I'm going to do. No, I saw with. that post. Yeah. I made a post on Facebook because I was, I had been getting to a point, I was starting to get down on myself, and I'm letting a few things stress me out. And um, it actually took two of my clients, and um, it, it took me actually talking to them that night one of them I feel bad about, but she's like, she inspires me more. The, I get more out of training her than, right, than she right, probably right. does out of training me. She'll tell you she doesn't Don't tell her that she'll want a discount. <laughs> but no, no, she's, she's my star client. And, um, and in fact, right now, she's not even training with me. She's on like a few-week break because she's training for a triathlon and doing this shit. But anyway, I was just like, I was seriously like down. And I text her and I told her like, look, I said this. I'm having some feelings right now, and I don't like it, and I need you to either tell me to just fucking man up or something. I need mm-hmm. to hear something inspirational from you. And she, of course, did. And then I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? I don't even fucking like the industry I'm in. I don't like the fitness field. I'm not like that. I'm not one of those trainers that's like, yes, we got to get up and do this, and you need to love life and eating healthy. Because I don't. I hate all that shit. I do it because I know it's going to benefit me, but I hate all that what I get enjoyment out of are the actual people I trained. Mm-hmm. If you went back and you flipped my client base to what I had when I started, and it was a bunch of fucking 70-year-old fucking people off of the bollies of Dorset, I'd hate it. I, I almost right. got out of training back then. I fucking hated the people I trained. I hated the fucking industry. Nothing changed about hating the industry, but now I have fucking all these awesome people that I train that's what I love about it. If it wasn't for the people that I was around, then fuck that I wouldn't even keep doing it. But at the end of the day, I love every fucking single person that I train. But if I had a magic wand, guess what I'd be fucking doing with my day? It would not be being a personal trainer. Putty tat. Yeah, it would be putty tat. Um, I'll say one last thing, and then I'll shut the fuck up for the rest of the episode. But since we got it on the subject, and I feel passionate about it, all I'm trying to say is... If you look at the lyrics of that poem or, or mm-hmm. the the writing of that poem is he goes through a, an initial situation and then all the complications that mm-hmm. come with it and then what you can do to break out of it. You can always do that what you can do to break out of it. You can look at life as special and the verse you have as special, right? Mm-hmm. But... If you never get intertwined into those sordid masses and hating life and being a fucking worker bee, it's way easier to break out, mm. is what I'm trying to say. So do it early and commit. 
commit to what you're fucking doing and it'll be easier to break out, right? If you wait and you build this concrete fucking society around yourself, whether it's a combination of work and family and all that shit when it comes to aging, I'm 30 fucking three and I am in a mausoleum of concrete. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with the choices I've made, okay? There's nothing wrong with the, li- with the life that I have except that what I've done is cut off options, mm-hmm. okay? Or I have made an option, like being in a concrete mausoleum, if I want to grow, I have to shoot a root out mm-hmm. through the concrete. Do you know what roots do to concrete? Yeah, they break it. Yeah, they break that shit apart. So I can come home. I can decide I want to write a novel. And if I want to pay the bills, I can't write a novel at work. I'll get fired. I can decide to write a novel, but I got to mush my daughter Mm -hmm. in the face when Mm -hmm. I come in. And I got to say, yeah, I'm glad you made a nursery in your room. I'm glad you made an imaginary Mm -hmm. puppy the number one sick patient. Go fuck yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I got to pursue my dream. Mm. If that's what you got to do, this is what you got to do. But Mm. realize that if you box yourself into a mortgage, Mm. a fucking family, and the lifestyle that you want, the root is not going to break your job. It's going to break your fucking family. And I hate that. And that's the reason that I'm behind on editing the comic book. Because I don't want to break my family. Mm-hmm. And I hope that helps somebody out there in listener land. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say. I think uh, oh, that's very insightful. I think that uh, some of the analogies that you use in life are probably more harsh than they actually are. Because <laughs> yeah, so far right. tonight, you have made uh, your roots be that you're beating your wife like a punching bag, that your <laughs> life is like a concrete mausoleum with roots breaking through. Like, Well, that's the writer in them. The, yeah, the analogies you're using for your life are very harsh. Maybe you need to uh, lighten those up a little bit because <laughs> then you wouldn't feel like the pressure that's on you for setting some of these roots is so great. Cause, well, you wouldn't like feel... Like I said, hey, you know what? Tonight, I'm taking away from seeing my son... But I got to ultimately go, well, what is more valuable for the time being? Doing the podcast or missing a few hours, which I know I'm going to see him again tomorrow when I just saw him a few hours earlier. Cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man in the moon. So this episode was a long When you're coming fuck. home, Dad, I don't know when. We're going to start calling this fucking pontificate podcast because that's what we've done. Anyway, that's it. You can find me on Twitter at Sam the Trainer or Adam Ross TL on pretty much all other forms of social media. I'm Tim Pickerel. You can find me on Twitter at Tim Hates You and on Instagram at Onyx Edge Studios. And I killed myself. <laughs> yeah, and you can you can find out more about Jordan by uh, the eulogy that I just wrote for his funeral. That's going to be tomorrow. I've been plotting this for about 20 years, and. Uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, if anybody out there is still listening and would fucking uh, depress you, <laughs> then uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, give us a rating, and we'll uh, see you guys on Periscope. <laughs>
We don't read and write poetry because it's cute. We read and write poetry because we are members of the human race. And the human race is filled with passion. Medicine, law, business, engineering, these are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for. To quote from Whitman, Oh me, oh life of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish, what good amid these, oh me, oh life? answer that you are here that life exists and identity that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse what will your verse be